We're in a series that is called The Leadership Challenge. And today I'm going to preach a message that has been very inspired by mothers. And I will make that clear as the sermon goes on, but I am very, very glad that you're here in the midst of uh, what's been a, a difficult week in a lot of ways. Uh, but today we're gathered in Jesus' name. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, if you're ready, say, let's do it. Everyone online, so glad you're with us. Verse 6 says, so we built the wall. If you're brand new to the book of Nehemiah, what's happened up until this point is there is a cupbearer named Nehemiah who gets a burden for his people when he gets the bad news about the destruction of Jerusalem and how his native people are lying in shambles and their city is, is really just laying in ruins. He gets a vision and a burden. He goes to the king named Artaxerxes and he asks for permission. He gets a vision that becomes clear. He's got values that are strong. He develops a plan that is compelling. He gathers together a crowd, a change coalition. He travels 700 miles. He makes his way to Jerusalem. In chapter 3, if you, I skipped it because it says they built the sheep gate, and then they consecrated, and then they built this tower, and then they built that tower, and then they built that wall. And they built, and they built, and they built, and we now come to chapter 4, and it says, So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height. They're halfway done. For the people had a mind to work. There's progress. But when Sanballat and Tobiah the, and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God to set a guard as protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There's too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. That's negativity. Verse 11. And our enemies said, they will not know or see it till we come upon them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space between, behind the wall and the open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords and their spears and their bows and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And before we're done today, I'm going to say to some of you that are afraid and anxious about the enemies that are before you or the challenges that are before you, you're going to hear me say to you, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Do not be afraid. Today I want to talk about the overcoming nature of leadership. Leaders overcome. Let's pray. God help in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat and say the word overcome. We have eight children, as many of you know, and when we had our first child, it was the longest labor and delivery we ever had. My wife, Ruthie, went into labor early in the morning, and she, it was the, it was the day before Easter, and she went all day long, I mean, from very, very early in the morning over at Shands Hospital till, it was about 11.30, it was 11.45-ish, I think, because I looked at her, and uh, before it was done, I, I was asking her just to wait a little bit longer so we could have an Easter baby, and she looked at me like, are you crazy? But 
But I remember about halfway through the day, at one point, she looked at me, she says, Michael, I can't. And with tears in her eyes, she said, I'm done. I'm done. I don't know when the last time you hit a wall was, but if you've ever been through labor, you know that feeling of, I just can't. I can't take this pain. I can't take this trauma to my body. I'm done. And of course, if you're a mother, you can't be done because something inside of you is coming out whether you want to or not. But it's not just in labor. It's in life. When moms have issues with their kids, I've never seen leaders like mothers. I thought about calling this sermon, Leaders Are Like Mothers. Or we need you to be a good mother. You know, something like that. But I decided not to. But I've learned leadership lessons watching mothers who just find a way to overcome. Because what you're going to find in leadership is that there's a, there's a point where if you do it long enough, eventually you're going to hit a wall. Eventually you're going you're gonna to hit something that it seems too big. It seems too tough. It seems too large, criticism that bites too deeply, or hardship that feels too heavy, or trauma that lingers for too long of a time, or just discouragement. And that's where the people of God were at this point in Nehemiah, because they had, they had made progress, and a people that had been scorned and been kept down, they, they had made progress. They were halfway done. There were, the walls were being built. If you've ever done a project and you see the progress, it's it's what makes painting so much fun is that you can actually see the progress take place. And the people were excited as about half of the wall gets built. But now they've hit a wall. Now they've hit criticism. Now they've hit Sambila. Now they've hit the Ammonites. Now they've hit Tobiah. Now they've hit these other voices that are speaking into their ears. You can't do this. And that is the question of leadership. When you hit the wall, what will you do? When the criticism comes, what will you do? I have watched people on Twitter that are posting. They're very bold until they get the first word of criticism, and then they crumble. I mean, they could have 25 people like what they're saying, and then they get one person that pushes back, and then in their fragility, they they crumble like, I can't believe everyone's picking on me. It's like there could be 100 people that agree with them and one that doesn't, and they're ready to quit because they've, they've hit this wall. We find this in the Bible in many places where Elijah had just defeated the, the prophets of Baal, and I mean, hundreds of them, and he's, he's defeated them, and he's done this great victory, and then Jezebel gets up, and she says, oh, I'm going to take you out. He's like, oh, no, I'm dead, and he runs, and he hides, and he just wishes he could just die. And you're like, Elijah, you just can't. Do not underestimate the power of discouragement. Do not underestimate the potency of, of criticism and the dark night of the soul. It's, it, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And, and do, do not underestimate what, what can go through a heart or a mind in, in a tragic place. When you hit the wall, what do you do as a leader when you come up against it, whatever it is, what is it that you do? This is very personal for me. I don't want to just throw my junk out there, but I am a pastor. Uh, there are more pastors right now quitting every single day than there's ever been. There are pastors who are just saying, you know what, we're, we're, we're t- I'm tired of fighting with one group of people about masks on this side and one group of people about masks on that side with, with people that they want me to say this about sexism and this about you know, genderism and this about nationalism and this about racism and all the isms and all the fighting and all the stuff. And pastors are like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm trying to, to honor the Lord and, and finances are down and, and you know, two-thirds of people have not come back to church and people don't 
don't know if they want. And some people are like, ah, you know, I don't even think I'm, I'm going to go to Bush Gardens. I'm going to, uh, you know, Walmart, I'm go, but I'm not going to church because of COVID. You know, the pastor's like, what in the world is going on? And so pastor's like, you know what, I'm just going to go sell insurance. <laughs> I used to sell eternal life insurance, you know, called Jesus. Now I'm just, just going to go sell some home insurance. And, and people are quitting. It's not just pastors. Employees are quitting. I mean, I'm, I'm friends with pastors around the, the country, and I'm on a missions board. And I mean, I was talking to a pastor that's got a staff of 70. 30 out of 70 staff have left, quit, turned over in the last 12 months. I've talked to other pastors who have a staff of 20, and 8 out of 20, gone. Talk to um, business people, managers and leaders. Oh, people are just gone. People, people aren't staying. They, uh, people can handle their job until their job hits the wall, until their job gets discouraging, until my boss hurt my feelings, until my manager didn't give me everything that I wanted. And you're finding employees are quitting when they hit the wall, and, and spouses are quitting when they hit the wall, and people are leaving when they hit the when they hit When that moment of discouragement, when that, one, that moment of try, what do you do? when you hit that place, when it's not going according to plan. Because Nehemiah had a plan. Nehemiah had his, he had his burden, and he had his vision, and he had his plan, and he motivated his team, and, and he made the trek 700 miles to Jerusalem, and, and he comes. And, and, and leadership would be easy if all you had to do was shoot baskets. But it's difficult sometimes to, to, shoot ba- to make baskets even in a vacuum. But when... LeBron James is in your face, it gets even harder. And wouldn't it be easy if life was easy? Wouldn't leadership be easy if there was no such thing as a sand ballot or Tobiah? Wouldn't marriage be easy if there was no, thing, no such thing as your husband having hormones? You see the wisdom there? Wouldn't... wouldn't parenting be easy if every child for their entire existence just said... Mother, forget Mother's Day. Every day is Mother's Day. All I want to do in life is honor you, and it will go well with me. I mean, can you imagine? Wouldn't life be great if, if, when you can, if, if there were no walls? What I want to say today is this. Leaders... I need you to know, leaders, eventually, mothers, I need you to know. Fathers, I need you to know. Bosses, I need you to know. Managers, I need you to know. Eventually, no matter how good the game plan, eventually, no matter how trained the team, eventually, no matter how smart you are, you will hit a wall. Something will happen that you did not count. And when you do, there is a need to overcome. When you hit this place, rarely have I seen such a generation. I don't just mean, I don't just mean uh, Gen X, Y, Z, you know, whatever. I'm talking, rarely have I seen a culture of such low threshold for overcoming that, that we bail, we quit, we stop. We, as opposed to saying, wait, 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 when I hit that place, I will overcome in Jesus' name. Now, this is going to apply to anybody, so if you're here and maybe you're from another religion, um, maybe, maybe you're listening and you're, and you're Muslim and finishing up Ramadan, and by the way, we, you know, if you know someone that's a, that's a Muslim, if you had a friend that's a Muslim, it's a great time just to say, hey man, you want to break, you know, you want to break fast with me tonight and, and ask them how you can pray for them and things like that, even right now, and if there's any of you that are joining us that are Muslim, man, what an honor that you would be here with us. So, so what I'm going to say today, it, it applies if you're a Muslim, this applies if you're an atheist, this actually applies if you're not in any way... Uh, related to this book that I'm reading right now, but 
But I, I do need you to know that if you belong to Jesus in particular, we have a narrative, we have a story, and we have a leader that when he came up against the ultimate wall called death itself, he overcame the grave. Which means that the very tribe we belong to in Jesus is a tribe that overcomes. And I want to speak that into us today. And really, here's the essence of the whole sermon today. Leaders must overcome. But leaders who overcome, there's two things that I, that I want to drop in your heart and your spirit today. There's two things leaders must, if you're going to overcome, there's two simultaneous things you must have. On, on one hand, leaders, they're brutally honest about what is. You, 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 when, when others can't look at it, they do. When others won't go there, they will. When, when others can't think about it, they find a way. Leaders, on one hand, they're brutally honest about what is, but they're radically hopeful about how it ends. Great leaders, and, and I want you to hear the word simultaneous, are simultaneously, brutally, painfully, intentionally, Honest about what is. This marriage is in trouble. This department is in trouble. I've got a cancer diagnosis. We've got a mental illness. We've got a problem that's going on. There are real issues. There is very real and present danger. Clear, honest, the brutal honesty about what is, but simultaneously, radically hopeful about how the story ends. So let's break that down. Let's start with the brutal honesty. Everyone say brutal honesty. Great leaders are honest when others lie. Let's just be honest. They lie. Have you ever had a boss that just lied? Hey, parents, your kids don't need you to lie. It's all good. Sometimes it's not all good. Sometimes, in fact, followers cannot follow leaders who are not honest about what is. Of course, there's a lot of progress that's happened up until this point. In chapter 4, verse 1, I'll just back up a little bit. It says, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? That's discouraging. Will they restore it for themselves? That's discouraging. Will they sacrifice? That's discouraging. Will they finish up in a day? That's discouraging. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? That's discouraging. Burns one from that? That's discouraging. And then Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he agreed. He's like, yeah, that's discouraging. What are they, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. That's discouraging. Verse 4, Nehemiah says, Here... Oh, our God, for we are despised. I want you to notice that Nehemiah does not say, hey, la, 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 la. I don't hear anything. I, I don't hear anything. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, Sam Ballot's not even there. He is not there. He is not there. Tobiah is not there. He is not there. I sometimes watch leaders who want to act like, I'll, I'll talk to spouses who act like, parents who act like, managers who act like, bosses who act like, well, there's no problem. No, 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 it's, it's all good. No, there's not internal, you know, infighting going on in our department. Oh, oh, there's not gossip and slander. Oh, oh, there's not systemic issues. Oh, there's not gender inequities. Oh, there's not racism. Oh, there's not major issues in our communication, in our marriage. Oh, there's not major problems I've got from my past that have never been dealt with. Oh, there's not. I, I sometimes will watch people ignoring the facts. 
But, but leadership that overcomes, I just want to get clear, you cannot overcome unless you know what you're overcoming. You will not overcome that which you will not acknowledge. If you're a runner and you are hurtling, you do not do well to act like there are no hurdles. Leaders who overcome, they have brutal honesty. One of my heroes in history is a guy named Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was leading Britain during World War II. And he, was, he already did not like Adolf Hitler you know, coming you know, earlier in the century. But by the time he comes into power, by the time Nazi Germany is on the rise, uh, th- he really was the man for the job. And in fact, when we're looking back in the annals of history, he was a, he, he was a very effective leader. He was also a very charismatic leader. You can kind of see it in his face. He would, he would speak, and when Churchill would speak, people listened. He was very convincing and inspiring and motivating, and he would say, we are resolved. We will not back down. We will not give up. We will not negotiate with the Nazis. We will not give Hitler a a spot. He would say things like, we will fight by land, and we will fight by sea, and we will fight by air, and we will prevail. And he would speak and say that we will prevail, and and, and British people, the English, they'd get goosebumps, and they would be riled up into a wad of excitement when you listen to this leader speak. The problem is Nazi Germany ends up bombing London, and by the time the bombs are coming down and your house is being blown up and you're having to go underground into bomb shelters, that's when ah, you could have some problems. And, and what happened with Churchill was he knew that he was a charismatic leader, and he knew that he was convincing, and he knew that if he was not careful, such charisma and positivity would lend itself toward people not being completely honest with him. So at the beginning of the war, he set up a department called the Statistical Office. I believe that's what it was called. The Office of Statistics, that their only job was to constantly feed him all the bad news, to constantly feed him all the hard facts. One one leadership guru described it like this. He said, what leaders have to do is they have to look down on that big rock and they've got to pick up the rock and look underneath the rock and, and they see all the squiggly things. Leaders have to be honest about all the squiggly things underneath the rock. You cannot overcome that which you will not acknowledge. You cannot change. Repentance itself is the process where a human says, God, forgive. I recognize this must change. This must be overcome. Great leaders, they, they're like Winston Churchill that they recognize if you're not careful, you won't face the brutal facts about the, the culture that you're in, the city that you're in. The, friends, the, the world we're living in right now, when, when dads are killing their, their kids, when 13-year-olds are getting shot, when, when we see families, the, the fatherlessness, the, 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 prison to, the, the prison pipeline starting in third grade, the, the, the average man in America doesn't have a single significant other male friend. Friends, we're in a spot. I mean, there, there's, there's no point in acting like it's, oh, it's there. But here's the catch. We, we must be brutally honest. Martin Luther King wrote a book called... Um, 
Where do we go from here? And, and the essence of the book was, we're here, we're trying to go there. And, and, and a lot of what he would say was, you cannot go there unless you know where here is. So if you say the destination is Jackson, Mississippi, you get to Jackson, Mississippi differently when you're driving from Milwaukee than when you're driving from Gainesville. So if you were to say, I want to go to J-, vision is not enough. At some point, a lot of vision actually needs honesty about where you are. He, he puts it in this book when he's describing, he says, you know, America has made great progress. America has made racial progress. America has has done things like this. But America was ready to demand that the black man be spared the lash of brutality. But America was not ready to fully go there when it came to all the nature of discrimination and exploitation. And he said, that's where we're at right now. And what we have right now a lot of times is confusion about where someone is in light of where you want to go. But leadership demands, I cannot listen to you if you are not honest. When the wife says, baby, can we go get counseling? And the husband says, ah, we don't, Superman doesn't need counseling. And she says, Superman doesn't need a car and you drive one. Baby, can we just be honest about where we're at? We need counseling. We need help. We need outside assistance. That doesn't mean this is hopeless. It means we've got to be brutally honest. Because when that doesn't happen, I'll tell you what happens is chapter 4, verse 8, when it says... And they all plotted together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion. And to cause confusion. There's nothing so bad as when you're confused. There's nothing so bad as when you're building a wall and you're like, are we supposed to be doing this? Are we sure this is God's will? You ever said that? Are we sure we're supposed to? Am I sure I got the right job? Am I sure I married the right person? Am I sure I should have had a kid in the first place? Am I sure this? Am I sure that? Am I sure I should be in this department? Did, Did I pick the right major? And don't get me wrong, there's something good about thinking and rethinking, but there's also something about confusion. How many of you have seen Star Wars? Who's, who has heard of Luke Skywalker? Anyone heard of Luke Skywalker? One of the most painful parts of my childhood was I, I was watching Star Wars, and I don't, I'm, I'm just going to totally blow it for anyone that's never watched it, but it's been 30 years, and if you haven't watched it, you're late. <laughs> Luke Skywalker is being trained by Obi-Wan Kenobi. Luke Skywalker wants to be a Jedi Knight. Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Luke's going to have to go confront the quintessential villain whose name is Darth Vader. He's on his way to go confront Darth Vader, and Obi-Wan's like, Luke, don't go. You're not ready. You're not. Please, Luke, don't go. And Luke's like, I have to go. My friends need me. And he's getting an X-Wing fighter. He's going to go. And, and, you know, Obi-Wan's talking to Yoda and all that. And he's like, he's not ready. Ah, what's going to happen? Oh, you know. Anyway, he's on his way, and he goes, and he finally does confront Darth Vader. And sure enough, he wasn't ready. His arm gets chopped off. He's hanging on a ledge. And Darth Vader sticks out his arm and says, Luke, join me. We can rule the universe together. To which like, no. Because Obi-Wan told him the next line that comes out, you killed my father. To which Darth Vader says, no, 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 Luke. I didn't kill your father. Help me. I guess I'm not spoiling too much. <laughs> I am your father. And Luke's like, No. I was in the theater, and I was like, no! It was traumatizing, this little kid. I know it's a great movie, but I got to say, it's horrible leadership. Because I look, I'm like, Obi, foolish Kenobi. Why didn't you just tell him? Luke, don't go. I'm going to Darth Vader. No, don't go. You're not ready. No, he killed your father. I'm gone. If I'm Yoda, I'd be like, Obi-Wan, tell him. 
Because there's nothing worse than confusion in leadership. Because when you're confused, you lose. When you confuse, you lose. And when your enemy gets to, con- and, I, and I keep hearing Christians, and I keep hearing business people, and I keep hearing athletes, and, and they bump, they, they get that injury. They, they go through that trial. Their marriage gets an adulterum. Their, their child gets pregnant. They're, you fill in the blank on what, and they're like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And, and yet, let me tell you about our, our Jedi Knight, our leader, Jesus. Our Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So when you follow Jesus, you are following the overcomer of all overcomers. Be of good cheer. He did not say, in this world, it will be easy. He said, in this world, it's going to stink. It's going to be hard. You're going to sweat. You're going to bleed. It's going to be difficult. But be of good cheer because when you join this tribe, it's a tribe of overcomers. But it begins by, number one, brutal honesty. And number two, radical hope. Everyone say hope. See, this is the but be of good cheer leaders have to pull off that verse. In this world, you will have trouble. In your marriage, there will be struggles. With your kids, there will be trials. In that department, there will be resistance. In your job, in the economy, with your finances, in your home, there will, there will, there will be opposition. But be of good cheer. There's been a lot of, in this world, there is trouble talk this year, this past year, these past few years. I'm not hearing enough leaders rising up with, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Church, leaders need to speak words of hope because the one with the most hope leads. I cannot follow you if if you don't have confidence of how this is going to end. That's why I said leaders who overcome, they're honest, brutally honest about what is, but radically hopeful of how this ends. Radical hope. I was reading the past few weeks about, it's called the Stockdale Paradox. In the Vietnam War, the highest ranking officer that was taken captive in Vietnam was an admiral named Jim Stockdale. Jim Stockdale was taken captive with other men that were under his care, and he was tortured, he was beaten, he was brutalized, and it was rough. It was really, really, really rough. In fact, he was kidnapped. He was in a POW camp from 1965 to 1973. Eight years. Brutalized. And he was having to try to motivate the men that were under him and while simultaneously surviving because they were trying to beat the will out of you. And, and when they talked to him and they, they got with him after, because he made it out, when, when they asked him, how did you make it? Like, what did you do? And it was fat. I wrote down the quote of what he said because I, I was like, man, this will preach right here. They, they said, how did you make it? He said this, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never lost faith in the end of the story. He was treated so badly, that, and, and they would try to deceive and take videos of him and show him. He would take chairs and beat himself. He would take razors and cut himself so that they couldn't use a video to act like they were being treated better than they were. They'd electrocute him, do all sorts of torture. 
And so he, how did you, he said, I never lost faith of how this would end. To which they said, well, wait a minute. So a lot of people did not make it and they died. The people that didn't make it, why didn't they, who didn't make it? To which he said, the optimists. He said, the optimists. To which they asked, wait, 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 we, we just thought you said that you made it by being optimistic. So no, 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 I was not optimistic. Like the, the optimists were the people that are being beaten and they would tell themselves, okay, you can make it, you can make it, uh, just, you'll be out by Christmas. But then Christmas would come and go and they didn't get out. And then they'd tell, you'll be out by Easter. But then Easter would come and go and, and you wouldn't get out. I knew that in the end, this is gonna turn out for good. Somehow I I had to believe that when you put all these little optimistic unrealities on the table, though, there was so much disappointment attached to the pain and discouragement that they didn't die of the beating. They died of a broken heart. In church, I'm seeing a culture right now that is full of people dying of broken hearts. But the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to announce good news to the poor and recovery of sight to the blind in the recovery of sight and hearing and sound and the binding up and the healing of the broken heart. Because when you follow Jesus, you shall overcome. In this world, you will have trouble. You will. I was watching a basketball game this week. I was at the gym and I was watching this game and, and it was a tight game and then it came to the point where one of the teams was clearly going to win and you could see the, the team had, the coach hadn't given up but the players had. So the coaches finally said, oh, go ahead and get out. And he took the players out and, and so they got out and you just saw these superstars just sitting dejected on the sideline because they had given up. They put the scrubs in because they no longer had hope that this was going to turn out good in the end. What you need to know about leadership is that effectively leaders are overcoming leaders. Effective leaders do not just have leadership that works when the sun is shining. Effective leaders do not just have leadership when the weather is good, when the health is good, when the finances are good. Good effective leadership is actually leadership that says in sickness and in health, for better or for I shall overcome. There is something in a soul that says, I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I don't know if it's Easter, and I don't know if it's Christmas, but I belong to Jesus, and Jesus says, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to him. And they shall overcome. I call you to brutal honesty about this wall, about this discouragement, about mental challenges and health challenges and cultural challenges. But I call you to overcome. Well, Mike, how do you do it? Let, let, me, let me just give you the simple version. of how you, it's, it's really found here in verse 14. I want you to do what Nehemiah did in verse 14. And I looked and I arose. Let me just stop there. And I looked and I arose. I was sitting down with everybody else. But I looked and I arose. Everyone else was sitting down. Leaders, rise up. Everyone else was shutting up. Leaders, speak up. Everyone else had given up. Perhaps Nehemiah rises up and said. Now, now I'm just going to pause there because in verse 10 it said, in Judah it was said. 
The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. Negativity. Verse 11, and our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come and kill them and stop the work. Negativity. Judah said, doubt, anti-faith, negativity. The enemies said, doubt, anti-faith, negativity. And in that midst, in the midst of that, in that mist, in that haze, in that fog, leaders rise up. I watch moms do this all, I will, I've seen some of you mothers rise up. He rose up and said, I, I just, I wanna pause, and said, I know I say this a lot, but the power of life and death is in the tongue. Say it. We need you to say it. Well, I was thinking it. No, no, your leaders can't be led by your thinks. They get led by your saids. And Nehemiah got up and said, when this little baby that we've dedicated today, when he grows up, Dad, he needs you to speak. He needs you to say it. Well, well, like when I hear husbands say, when the wife says, baby, do you love me? He's like, oh, baby, you, baby, I told you I loved you on the day we got married. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. Well, I'm letting you know. I need you to say it. Well, that's just not me. Come up to me after service. Bring out your phone. I will feed you a list of lines to say to your wife. If you're like, I can't think of what to say, I'll read you a list, okay? There's a, it's, it's desperatehusband.com. Download some other things. <laughs> because even if you're like, well, my love language is not words. Yeah, but your wife needs to hear them. My love language isn't words. Your child needs to hear your words. Bosses, your employees need to hear your words. And when you are in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, you need a God who says, fear not, for I am with you. enough of this silent treatment. We don't need the silent treatment. No one needs to. God does not give us the cold shoulder. And if you are a leader, we need you. It says, he rose up and said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. And look what he says. He doesn't say, oh, 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 I know. He says the most consistent command in scripture 366 times, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I can follow an honest leader. I cannot follow a scared leader. You're like, well, Mike, I am scared. No, no, I, I know, but I, I, maybe the better way to say is I cannot follow a non-courageous leader. What is courage? Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the conquering of fear with your God. Do not fear. And then he says, watch, but, but Sanballat, but Tobiah, remember the Lord your God, great and awesome. And then he says, and, and fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. If you ever saw the Chronicles of Narnia, I don't know if you remember when they were fighting, but it said, they, they would go out to fight, they'd say, for Aslan and for Narnia. This is sort of like that. He's like, for Jesus and for your people. Remember the Lord your God. The next time you're discouraged, the next time you hit the wall, the next time you get that report, the next time the doctors get, whose report shall we believe? We shall believe the report of the, whose report will you believe? Leaders are the people that say, I heard Sanballat's report, I heard Tobiah's report, I heard Judah's report. I, I was watching MSNBC Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was watching CNN, you know, uh, Capernaum. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was watching, you know, I, I saw all 
all the, the news channels, all, I got all the negativity. All I got to tell you is this. At the end of the day, I've decided whose report shall I believe? I shall believe the report of the Lord who said, in this world you'll have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Leaders, we need you to use your words to put the courage in. This is what it says in Hebrews 10, 25, when it says, in Hebrews 10, 25, describing what we've got to do. Would you put that up there on the screen? It describes that in these last days when things are troubling, it says, don't neglect to meet together. This is why we got to come together as church and as microchurches. We need each other. We need relationships, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. But encouraging. What does it mean to encourage? To encourage is to put the courage in. That when you talk, you put courage in. Because when I put on social media, it sucks the courage out. When I go out in the world, it sucks the courage out. When I hear reports over here, it sucks the courage. You know what leaders do? In a world that sucks the courage out, they put the courage in. Sometimes I need someone. Let me, let me be personal. Ruthie got hit by a truck several years ago. Her pelvis is broken in eight places in the hospital, in a wheelchair, dark night of the soul, hard time. Some of the, our friends were watching some of the kids, came up to, to visit. I, and I remember looking at Ruthie out of it and in pain like she had never had before and you know, drugged up and trying to recover. And, and at one point, my kids being in, in that hospital room and, and the kids just confused and crying out. And, and the feeling was like, we we can't do this anymore. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm not gifted with, like, hair for, for doing hair. On, I've got little girls and Puerto Rican hair. I'm trying to do their, like, curly hair, and I don't know what to do. I would just take, like, Vaseline and put it in a ball and put it on their head. And <laughs> I mean, it was scary. I mean, it was like, like, you would just wake up in the morning, like, I mean, my kids could tell you, like, we're done for. I mean, the feeling, we're done for. Like, to quote Star Wars, I have a bad feeling about the every day you get up and and there's a million voices that say, I have a bad feeling about this. And I remember one of the times when it was one of those, I have a bad feeling about this moments. And, and I, went in, I just went in the bathroom at the, just the, the, there's like a bathroom with a mirror that, that where she was staying in this room. And, and I'm like, God, I, don't, I just don't know what's going to happen, you know. I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I just remember looking in the mirror and I was on the phone with someone. And they're like, Mike, you're going to get through this. Jesus will never leave you hanging. You got this. I, I, I know that sounds like trivial or trace, like, we gonna be all right. And I'm sitting here on a phone looking in a mirror, and I'm like hearing the, because I heard the words of Sanballat, and I heard the words of Tobiah, and I heard the words of the doctor, and, and I didn't know what was gonna happen. I'm totally surprised. You know, just gets hit by a truck and a company and all that. I'm like, whoa, wait, I don't have a, we didn't have a minivan, we, we didn't have a vehicle. And I mean, I, I thought they were gonna take care of it. I'm like, at every level, I'm like, oh my gosh. This, to hear the Nehemiah voice that gets up and says, do not fear. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I'm telling you, do not fear. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what report you got. 
I don't know what pill you've been having to pop. I don't know what reality you've been having to endure. I want to tell you something. Dad, who's so afraid of what your child is doing right now, listen to me carefully. Do not fear. Remember, the Lord's your God, great and awesome. He knows how to bring prodigals home. Someone that's just crippled right now with with fear about a, a situation that you're, I mean, am I going to have my job? Am I not going to have my job? What's going to happen? Are they going to downsize? Am I being out? Am, am I in the, on the Do not fear. Mike, are you promising that by next Christmas, I'm not saying by Christmas, I'm not saying by Easter, I'm saying in this world, you follow the one who says, do not fear. Remember your Lord, great and awesome. You're going to overcome. You're going to overcome. Church, let me make something super clear with you. I won't lie to you, we're in a moment culturally that's extremely difficult. There are very real issues on so many sides. I want you to hear me very carefully. We are gonna overcome in Jesus' name. We are gonna overcome in the name of Jesus. Oh, there's challenges, but the challenges themselves get used. These walls that were halfway built, these Sanballat and Tobiah are being turned into the testimony of Nehemiah. This is becoming the word of his test. They were just gonna go build some walls and now, Do you understand that when you come up against walls, your walls, no matter how tall they are, will serve to expose the greatness of a God who brings prodigals home, the greatness of a God who conquers cancer, the greatness of a God who provides because he is Jireh, the greatness of a God that can put your soul, your family, your marriage back together. Will you trust him? Leaders who overcome are brutally honest about what is, but they're radically hopeful about how this ends. And let me tell you how it ends. We overcome. Mike, that that sounds good, but I'm not sure I can do it. You can. This week, I want you to go encourage. At lunch, I want you to go encourage. When you eat today, right after the service, I want you to go encourage. Put the courage in dads. Put the courage in mom. Put the courage in grandma. Put the courage in boss. Put the courage in teacher. There's going to be someone at school tomorrow that you're supposed to put the courage in that third grader. Put that courage in. Mike, it's just words. No, 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 no. It would be just words if you didn't have Jesus. Let me read you my closing scripture. Not in my notes. This morning, I just couldn't get past it. Revelation 12, 11. How do we overcome? It says, those in heaven who overcame. It says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives even unto death. For they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. How do you overcome? Number one, by the blood. Number two, by your words. Mike, I don't feel like my words have much weight. They don't unless you first had step one, which is the blood. That means I've got confidence to overcome because I'm basing this confidence and this overcoming reality on the blood. Now, what is the blood? It's the blood of the lamb. Who is the lamb? John the baptizer said when he saw Jesus, now behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ is the lamb. And there was a problem called sin. Every issue, every cancer, every problem, problem we have is rooted at the beginning of it all was sin. What did Jesus do? He comes to earth and he goes all the way back to the root of 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 the root, which was sin, and he pays for it on a cross with his blood. And when Jesus goes on this cross where he pays with his blood, sin was defeated, and the devil was defeated, and Sanballat was defeated, and your problem was defeated, and he was buried, and he looked defeated, but he did not stay defeated because he knows how to do the ultimate overcoming when he overcame death itself, and he rose from the dead on the third day. 
so that when you now come and bring your words, your words are being backed by a badge that is called the blood of the risen Jesus, which speaks the greatest word, which speaks the most powerful word, which gives you the authority that you need to overcome. Hey, moms, I love you. Now go overcome. Dads, overcome. Leaders, overcome. Microchurch leaders, overcome. But know this, the reason we can is because of the one who rose from the dead.